Hello everyone and welcome to Seek Search. I'm your host John Bingham and I'm grateful for our time together. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were able to listen in the last time that we got together because I started a new thought process that actually has biblical foundations, so I don't want you to think that I'm just uh, making stuff up that's not in the scriptures. But I introduced a new idea called the need for biblical balance. We started out talking about how we need physically, we see the demonstration of our need to have balance in our lives, and we want to not have vertigo but be able to enjoy the balance we take for granted. We have all different elements in the physical world that work well together whenever we have a balance of some sun and some rain, um, the animal populations in balance with each other, all those different types of illustrations that we talked about last time to show that we have lived in an assumption of the value of balance in the physical world. Well, applying that idea spiritually, the question is, do we need to be out in an extreme or do we need to have biblical balance? And I showed in a few different ways how the Bible teaches we should be seeking what God wants of us in a balanced way. The first passage that we did, and I'll, I'll do a little bit of reintroduction to lay the groundwork for today, but hopefully not spend too long on what last lesson the last lesson was all about. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus taught a balanced way of viewing things when he condemned the scribes and Pharisees for being out of balance in one particular direction. Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And so we see Jesus wasn't just saying the the commands of God don't matter and all you have to have is love or all you have to have is this uh, 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 justice and mercy and faithfulness. But he says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You need to find the proper way to balance the weightier matters of the law with the details of obeying God. Well, a second illustration from what Jesus taught was when Jesus said to the Samaritan woman in John 4, verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so if we have all the spirit but none of the truth, we're out of balance. But if we have all of the truth about how to worship God and no spirit about it, then we are also out of balance and not pleasing to God. We must worship him in spirit and truth, finding the biblical balance of both of those aspects. Well, then we talked a little bit about trying to answer the question, are religious traditions bad? And when we looked at Matthew 15, verses 1 through 9, we saw that there are certain religious traditions that are bad because Jesus condemned the scribes and Pharisees in verse 3, saying, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? 
In verse 6, he said, For the sake of your tradition, you made void the word of God. And he concludes by saying in verse 9, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so it sure looks there like the answer to the question would be, yes, religious traditions are bad. However, Paul ends up saying in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. So what kind of traditions would those be? Well, they wouldn't be what's talked about in Colossians 2, verse 8, where Paul warns and says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so what Paul ends up saying is, if there are human traditions, that's empty, and those should not be followed, which is exactly the same thing as what Jesus was teaching in Matthew 15. There are certain traditions we should not hold because they are according to human origin, human tradition. And yet there are traditions we should hold because the Thessalonians were told to hold and stand fast and hold those traditions which were taught by word and by the epistle. So we've got to look at things and say, wait a minute, the traditions that I do religiously, are they because they're actually found in God's word as commandments of God? Or are they the teachings of men that we should avoid. In 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5, we won't read through all of it now, but 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5, the Spirit explicitly says that there's going to come a time where there's a falling away from the faith to following after false teachings and false doctrines that will deceive. And if there are religious traditions that forbid marriage, if there are religious traditions that advocate abstaining from foods, those are religious traditions that are going to crop up that are different from what God's Word actually says. And we shouldn't follow after those false traditions. And so we talked about a lot of that last time. I want to come back to that simply to add to it something I didn't have time for, but, um, but is another teaching of Jesus that helps us really see this clearly. So in this question, are religious traditions bad? Let's see what the true authority for traditions is, and then also what the false authority for traditions would be. Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 27. Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you will tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So 
what did Jesus do in the midst of this argument that he was having to have? What did Jesus do? Jesus laid down the truth that either a tradition is from heaven, is divinely inspired, and therefore we have to do it. And the chief priests and the elders recognized, if we say from heaven, yeah, we should have done it. We should have believed it. We should have acted on it. Or if it's not from heaven, it's simply from men. And if it's from men, that is not a compliment. That is nothing that we should uh, pay any attention to, which falls right in line with the whole theme that we've been talking about. Are religious traditions bad? Jesus says, if they're from heaven, you need to do it. But if religious traditions are from men, they have no authority whatsoever. And we should not be following after those traditions. All right, well, I hope that that demonstrates from the scriptures directly that the Bible advocates that we should be pursuing what is the biblical balance. But there's a big caveat we need to talk about next, and that is we need to be careful about how we handle this idea of biblical balance because we got to know whose definition of balance should we follow. Well, it must be God's definition of balance, not what man may perceive as balance. There's a, proper, uh, there's a popular concept out there of how we should balance things, and they will say that, sure, you can have some elements of religion, but don't get too carried away with it. Go ahead and have a bit of religion and enjoy that, but have that alongside a healthy dose of regular worldly interests and worldly pursuits. But that's not the balance that God's Word calls us to. Instead, God's definition of balance is going to have a proper set of priorities. And so let's see what those priorities are. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Now, in the eyes of the world, such a disposition seems extreme. And they would say that's anything but a balanced way of life. But we are not to be conformed to the world's way of seeing things. Instead, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The New International Version states it this way, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Are we this serious about serving God? Or do we want to remain conformed to the world's mindset, having a little bit of religion, but holding on to the world's way of thinking and doing things? If we conform to the world's expectations and definitions, we will be unfruitful in God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, in an explanation of the parable of the sower, Jesus said, There were some who sprang up for a while, but he described it this way. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So, we need God's definition of balance. That transformed frame of mind is described by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, where Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to have that as our priority and our focus. And then he says, And all of these things, the physical needs we have of food and clothing and what the world gets anxious about, shall be added to you. I'll read it without my commentary. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Our transformed mindset will look to God's framework for our focus and priorities, and then within that is where we will find his balance. It is based on this truth in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Do we recognize this is the truth? All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And along with that, 1 Peter 4, verse 11, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. We must speak what God has uttered. We must recognize the scriptures as God's communication to us to make us complete and equipped for every good thing we are to do. Within the utterances of God, we will find his biblical balance for every aspect of our lives. Let us search the scriptures to become complete and thoroughly equipped in his service. Now, there is a wide range of topical applications of biblical balance throughout the scriptures. How do we balance the understanding of grace and faith and what role works may play? How do we understand whether there is a balance or what the balance is about whether or not one can fall from grace? What do we need to understand about salvation and God's plan of how he is saving us? Or the work that the church is supposed to do, the worship that the church is supposed to engage in. But not just those types of things, but what about family relationships? What about our relationship that we're supposed to have with the world? What is about our relationship we're supposed to have with authorities over us in the world? How should we work, how, how should we view, I should say, how should we view um, the work-life balance, and how should we view possessions and all of those types of things. 
every element of these questions actually has a balance that God has given us in the Bible. And so I look forward to being able to talk with you about a wide range of subjects and seeking the truth of what God really wants us to do, which is the balance of these things. Now, in all of these aspects, how can we find that balance? Well, 2 Timothy 2.15, remember, says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Well, how can we rightly handle the word of truth? Remember when we were talking about religious traditions? One passage looked like it was saying one thing, and another passage looked like it was saying something in the opposite direction. How do we harmonize those things? Well, one extreme would be if we tried to highlight a passage or two and ignore and dismiss other passages from the Bible. That's not going to get us to the right spot. The other extreme would be to highlight those other passages and ignore the passages that the first person was looking at. That doesn't get us to the right place either. The biblical balance is when we bring all of those passages together in order to harmonize what the whole truth is and get to the truth that God revealed. And so, Are we willing, do we desire to consider all of the passages and seek and find the truth? And are we willing to abandon an extreme that we may have been taught in order to turn to the biblical balance of what is actually true on a teaching? Okay, one last major point that I want to make. Think about this illustration. What does the oath in a court of law require? Well, the oath in the court of law is very important, but it has different elements, and each element is important. The oath says that we will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Why is it that it's constructed that way? Well, we could say, yeah, I'll tell the truth, but I'm not going to tell the whole truth. Well, wait a minute. Is that going to be getting us to the right place, or is that going to deceive? If there are elements of truth, but it's not the whole truth, that deceives and doesn't help the hearer. Well, I'll tell the whole truth, but then I'll keep telling other things. Well, no, wait a minute. I need to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What happens if I tell the whole truth, but then I also add to it some false things on top of it? That, doesn't, that deceives. That doesn't get us where we need to be. Now, that's very important in the legal system, to try to get to what is the truth, what is the whole truth, and that there's nothing but the truth being given. In order for the legal system to get to right conclusions, we need people to be confined to that set of principles. But you know, that's not just some construction of men. That actually was first the biblical standard. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32 God says, whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do it. You shall not add to nor take away from it. Do we respect God's word to that level? Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, talking about the book of Revelation. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, 
God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. We've got to take God's word seriously and seek the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. This makes perfect sense with other warnings that are given in the New Testament. Think about how Paul warned the Galatians in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. He said, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Do we take the gospel of Christ, do we take the word of God that seriously? where we want to make sure that we are following the true gospel of Christ and not going after a distortion that someone brings along. Paul didn't have the authority to change the good news of the gospel. An angel from heaven didn't have authority to do so. No man has the authority to preach something different than what God, God's word says. Well, what did Peter warn? 2 Peter 3, verses 14 through 18. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them, the writings of Paul, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So Peter warns and says, you know what? Paul wrote some things that are hard to understand, and there are people who will twist what Paul said to their own destruction. And they'll twist not only what Paul said, but they'll twist the rest of the scriptures, and they won't understand it, and they will be destroyed by that. We need to make sure we're not carried away with twisting the scripture. So we need to ask ourselves, do we have itching ears by which we are following after what we want to hear instead of seeking the truth of the Scriptures and the balance of the Scriptures. Well, where do we get this itching ear concept from? Look at 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Paul tells Timothy, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. 
are we interested in what we want to hear and our own passions? And therefore, when the truth of God's word is presented, the balance of all that the scriptures say, are we wandering off into some extreme, into some myths and going to settle contrary to the truth? Or are we open to the scriptures to learn more from the scriptures, to make sure that we are listening to the truth rather than wandering off into those myths. So will we seek the biblical balance? Well, who were more fair-minded? We're back to where we started the last time. Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. These, the Bereans, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed... And it goes on from there. When we have a heart that we will search the scriptures to see whether what is being said is true, and by searching the scriptures we come to find and discover the true biblical balance of all of the scriptures and harmonize all of the scriptures together, then we'll have a great positive response. Many of them believed because it was based on the truth of the scriptures. We need to seek and to do the biblical balance. We need the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to be pleasing to God and to help others find and follow the truth as well. Well, that wraps up our time today. May we seek God and seek his things and seek his ways by searching the scriptures and arriving at the biblical balance. I hope to be talking with you much more in the future about the biblical balance of a wide range of topics that the Bible talks about. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it's been a blessing for you. You have been listening to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham. You can contact me by emailing seeksearch at yahoo.com. On Facebook, get connected by liking the Seek Search page. I hope you'll join me each Saturday at noon for the next edition of Seek Search.